Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This, this, this is, 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 is Fight Disciples. Welcome to podcast episode number 757. We are the Fight Disciples. This is your MMA review from the weekend. You can tell I'm in a good mood because, yeah, I've called this 757. I know it's an odd number. I know it's the MMA show. And I know it's coming out first before we're actually putting out the boxing show. If anybody's been with us for a long period of time, you'll know how much that's messing my head up. However, I'm in such a great mood after being cage side for one of the greatest shows that I've ever seen in my entire life. Anything goes, man. It's all out the window. Mm -hmm. Don't care. You can have your 757. Before we get stuck in uh, to the full review and a few tales from Las Vegas, because we are back on British soil, um, a quick reminder for those that have only just come here, relatively new to the Fight Disciples podcast, you can subscribe to us. Our website is fightdisciples.com. Every audio link under the sun is there, and we're also on YouTube as well. So if you like to watch your podcasts, uh, you can get us on YouTube. Just type in Fight Disciples. And thank you so much to those in recent times that have become, become subscribers. I've noticed that the numbers are slowly going up in, on the subscriber button. Um, so if you are a, a consumer via YouTube and you don't subscribe, listen, let's have a relationship, not a one-night stand. Hit the button, and then you'll uh, never miss out on any of the content that we make on a day-by-day, week-by-week basis, whether it be boxing or MMA. Woof! Tell you what, I am absolutely ruined. <coughs> ruined, I've just, I've literally Vegas. just had a shower. I've just had a shower. And I swear to God, it was one of the greatest showers I've ever had. You know, when you're just like, oh, my Stay God. there for ages. Just ages. Oh, Stay there for just, God knows how long, man. Just soak it. Just get the filth out of my skin. Um, yeah, that was a long journey back. It wasn't bad, but it was It was just a long journey back. And then as soon yeah, as you land, I, it's like, right, go and get the kids. Right, take the kids to MMA club. Yeah, right, man. do this, do that. Cook the tea. School run, kickboxing, done it all tonight. Done it all yep. tonight. And that's why we're jumping on to try and get this show out for you. Nobody's feeling sorry for us, mate. We just spent a fucking no, week in Vegas, right? Just no, tossing no. it off, having a whale of a time around the greatest fighters on the planet. Nobody's feeling sorry for us today, mate. We've just witnessed the greatest show that might ever have ever been. I don't know that you think it I'm over-egging that and there's and there's recency bias, right? I, I get all that. I get all that. But I'm still on a high after, after watching just 13 back-to-back fights that provided so many different talking points. 13 fights. Nine finishes. The four fights that went the distance were all fight of the night contenders. Four of those nine finishes were within a minute. Absolutely sensational. One massive upset there. One huge upset in the middleweight division. Robbie Lawler and Dan Hooker giving us proper unbelievable moments because one of those guys won a fight with a broken arm. 
and then you've just got maybe the greatest fighter on the planet doing greatest fighter on the planet situations. It was just outrageous, mate. Outrageous from start to finish. I was actually, um, I'm glad actually, because you just mentioned the journey home there. Um, I'm very pleased that I haven't been tagged in any pictures of me absolutely out cold. Yeah. Um, on the on the way home, I had to. Have, I had me eye mask on. I had everything on dinner. I went full kit and caboodle to come home, and I saw that. Yeah, I saw you out the corner of my eye, looking at me. I'm thinking this is going to end up on social media. I don't care. I'm fucked. I need to sleep. The um, before I invited you to recline your seat because we we were in decent. We had decent flights, so we were in the seats where your feet raise up and the yeah. back goes back, so it almost goes pretty flat. And this soft twerp here. Is sleeping on his table, like proper oh, easy jets, easy jets on my way back from Ibiza with the lads. Don't know what day it is. Been shit and blood for three days. Haven't had water for a month. Asleep on a on a plastic table from the chair in front. Like I was, and I'm looking at you thinking, what is he doing? All people around you are fully reclined. Yeah. In the end, I tapped, I tapped you. Then I went, hey, soft lad, get your head off the table. Lean back and press that button. Next thing you know, oh yeah, it it. yeah, yeah. See ya. <laughs> Mega trip. Yes. We um we could actually. Yeah, I'll allude to this. We could we could make a podcast right about all the things that we see from familiar faces in Las Vegas. Correct. And it would be a it would be the it would do incredible numbers. Incredible, incredible numbers. The problem is, is that it would be grassing up a lot of people, <laughs> including ourselves, because we're in that environment too. So we'll we'll, re we'll renege. As, uh, what we're going to have to do, we'll have to invite a special v Fight Disciples VIP club to come on a trip. You're not allowed to record any of it. You're not allowed You're to film any of it. it You've just got to take it in, breathe it in, be wowed by what you see, and don't speak of it ever again. That's it. Because what can happens we tell out one there, story? Can we tell one there. story without naming names? Which one? The full magnificence of it, where me, you, and Bisping walked into a casino and bumped into a fighter who had not one, <laughs> not two, but three worldies on his arm. Like, no word of a lie. Three worldies. And we were like, oh, hey, how's it going? Hey, hey, Uggs and, hey, how's it going? Yeah, yeah, Sam, man, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, go on the fight, yeah, yeah. Nice to see you, man, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just want to come and have a, we're going for, only going for a drink, do you want to come and have a drink? Nah, man. <laughs> and he just went, he just went. No, he, he just looked nah. at us, pointed at them, and we went, ah. Knock yourself out, son. Enjoy yourself. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. The great thing is, people listening to this are going to be guessing guess who the until guy they is. Were blue in the face. <laughs> they could guess until they were blue in the face and they probably wouldn't get who it is. So he's safe. The, the person involved is safe in that regard. But yeah, mate, honestly, a blonde, a brunette. Yeah. <laughs> just you like everything. A, just, a spectrum, everything. just a spectrum, <laughs> honestly. Two leggy ones, one curvy one. Mate, he knocked it out the park, the last. He knocked it out the park. <laughs> and they were all dead obvious about what, yeah. even the girls, they were dead obvious about what was about to happen. And we were just like, fucking hell. Outstanding. Yeah, man. That's, that's proper work, that is. Let's just Good say man. it dominated the next 30 minutes of our conversation at the bar. Me, you and Bisbee just laughing at each other going, that is outrageous. 
isn't it? It's outrageous. Now, don't forget though, we're three, four, we're three, three old men in our forties, married you know, up, so yeah, old married up, Game's kids gone. up, and uh, you know, for a couple of moments, we had a couple of giggles, living vicariously through said fighter. What a guy! What a guy! But bear in mind, he was already. A fan fate. He was already a, a favourite of but ours. Stop talking about him now, because they'll guess. Stop talking about <laughs> it. Stop talking about it. Ledge. It, it was superb. Ah, and that was just one little anecdote that we could throw your way. <laughs> and get, one moment. And get us all into some serious bother. Let's talk yeah. fight, shall we? That's what you're here for. Um, Bloody, because people don't want more stories. They do want more stories, but like I said, we'll get too many people. And nobody will ever talk to us again. That's They'll true. avoid us at all costs if we're That's grassy true. people. We're not grasses. It stays in Vegas. End of. Yeah, man. Um, just, just, a bit, just bear in mind that if you come to Vegas with us, we were pool partying next to Cowboy Cerrone. We see yes. Nick Diaz rocking through our hotel. Nick Diaz as well. absolutely baked at the pool, at the pool wasn't he? Enjoying himself. Absolutely. <laughs> Tremendous man, but it's 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 just some of the characters you meet, man. We met we met one young young fighter and his dad, yeah. And the young fighter was the responsible one. His dad, who was in his fifties, was an absolute grafter, animal, working in that pool every single day. What a lad! Yeah, yeah. he's trained by Ben Askren, young lad. He's a wrestler, isn't he? He's a he's a yeah. wrestling college. Doing he really, looked like really him, well. didn't he? I think yeah, I think it's. He? Did he say it was Penn, Pennsylvania, Pencil Penn no. State? Penn State. He wrestles out of Penn State. Yeah. yeah. Mate, what was his name? Maverick. Yeah, Brett Maverick. Brett Maverick out of Penn State. What South a name that Brett. is. And yeah. his dad. Yeah, uh, top guys. We, top guys. We were chatting to them at the pool, man. Brett Maverick, yeah, man. Keep at least, an eye at out. At least when he gets to the UFC one day, we'll remember his name. Yeah, and his dad. And his dad, yeah. <laughs> his dad, his dad yeah. was wild, man. <laughs> that was a wild man. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, the real reason anyway. why we were in Las Vegas was to cover UFC 290. Um, and we'll, we'll we'll work the way down the car from the top, right? Because we've got to start with Volkanovski. Volkanovski versus Jair Rodriguez. Um, fucking hell, mate. He's getting better. He's getting better and better yeah. and better, isn't he? He's, he's just right at the peak of his powers. When I spoke to him in the week, he has a real understanding of that this is his prime. He doesn't know how long it's going to last for. That's why you're getting so much activity out of him. That's why he's jumping up and down in weights. That's why he's trying to do all these things right now because he fully understands that there's going to be a point where he's not as quick as he is. He's not as as sharp as some new young blood that's coming through. But right now, Alexander Volkanovsky, without any shadow of a doubt, is the pound for pound number one. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, you can come at me and you can say, oh, he lost to Islam. I don't care, mate. Look at the body of work. Look at who he's beating. Look at how he's beating them. We are witnessing something very, very special from this guy. We're living through a very, very special period. I'm not going to go all out and say that he's the best featherweight of all time because he's not. Jose Aldo is. And Jose Aldo did it over a 10-year period. He had the people to beat. He beat them. Beat them at their own game multiple times. He had seven world title defences there. Volk's on his way. Don't get me wrong. He's on his way. We are witnessing something very special. Yeah, I think there's listen, there's obviously a conversation that could be had about does Volkanovsky 2023 beat prime Jose Aldo circa 2016 or whatever it was when when Jose was at the peak of his powers. And that's well, a conversation. I get I get what you're saying that he's not in the maybe You've got to talk prime, prime versus pri- yeah, 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 I'm maybe, talking yeah. prime versus prime. And I, listen, you could do that. You, you can do that in football, you can do that in any sport, can't you? And there's no real way to define it. You'd like to think 
with MMA being only 30 years old, UFC only being 30 years old, that you would expect a modern day mixed martial artist to be better than a, a, a martial artist who peaked, you know, even five or 10 years ago. So th there's a real conversation there, of course. However, um, in terms of greatest featherweight of all time, yeah, man, of course he's got work to do. Of course he's got work to do. You know, he's beaten comprehensively now beaten Max Holloway, who was the conversation of, yeah. is Holloway better than Aldo? And he comprehensively beat Holloway. So you can tick that box. But for me, he's got he's got a division to clear out first. You know, he started at the top, but he's got he's got he's got some work to do before he can really can be compared to 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 Jose Aldo. And to be honest, the way the sport is today, could have see Volkanovski competing for the next ten years? Maybe you know, career combined, add the last three. Is he going to compete for now five or six more years? Yeah, I think he probably will. Will that entire entirety be a featherweight? I highly doubt it. I highly doubt it. So Puri is number five, isn't he, in the division? So that's where Volk's at right now. Arnold Allen's above Tapuria, and I know that Volk's not for Arnold Allen, but Arnold can not fumbled it, but he, he came up short against Max, didn't he? So therefore, Tapuria yeah. is the next guy in line. My argument is, Volk is so good at the moment. Try and capitalise on it whilst you are this hot. And yeah. to I know what you're saying. I know your argument about clearing out the division, becoming the greatest featherweight of all time. But I like the idea of him having another go at Islam and becoming the two-weight world champion, simultaneous world champion, because I trust him wholeheartedly to try and maintain it like Amanda Nunes did and jump between the weight divisions and go yeah. do Islam. And then he'd be back at the start of next year to take on Tapuria. Then he'd be back in, you know, to take on a Charles Oliveira. That's, that's where we're at with this guy right now. And I, and I think that would really just, send him into a different stratosphere. I think the only way that's fair, though, is if he does compete three or four times a year, and that's a lot well, he's doing. of competition. I know he he's is doing, doing. but that's to consistently do that. But then again, well, you know, is, uh, what's his name? Izzy does it. Izzy competes yeah. that often, doesn't yeah, he? Is that's he's what he's doing. always in the cage. So yeah. you average four fights a year, you know, you could effectively do two featherweight and two lightweight yeah. if and, he's and, successful at weight. And nobody's got a problem with that, have they? No, I think the difference there is what I will say is the, the big difference, of course, is that there isn't the depth of talent in the women's divisions. So it, it's all right for Amanda Nunes to jump between weight classes because she's the only featherweight. And but she you know, was only doing it. She was everyone. only doing it once or twice a year, and therefore sometimes it would be bantam, sometimes it would be feather. We're talking about a dude well, that generally is fighting three or four times a year. But the problem there is, you see, you've got a lightweight division that's absolutely stacked, and you've got a featherweight division that's that's rocking and rolling as well. So as long as he listen, as long as he First, he's got to beat Islam for this to become reality. But as long as he's putting out at least two featherweight defences of year, the extracurricular lightweight title opportunities, this, that's sound. Mate, you add to your legacy, as you say. If he's in the peak of his powers right now, let him crack on. Let him go for it. Especially, like Charles has said, I'm not going to be ready for October. Now, listen, the truth of that, I'll tell you what the truth is, because I can see it in the man's eyes. I'm not going to Abu Dhabi to fight this dude on his home patch. Again. I want to fight I want to fight him somewhere else. All right? That's basically yeah. what it is. If you can be ready for November, you can be ready for October, basically. No problem. 
from a Charles Oliveira point of view. You've been to Abu Dhabi, didn't work out for you. There were, I saw the types of things that Charles Oliveira was asked to do that week from the government and all that type of thing. Maybe that's played into his mind and he's thinking, no, I want a clean week of media where I control. I want a clean week of preparation and I want to be able to give you 100% when I take on Islam Makachev. Okay, sound, cool. No problem whatsoever. Fight Makachev somewhere else. So if you step in aside, Makachev's going to fight in October. He's the guy. They're not going to have a Middle Eastern show without Islam Makachev. So if nope. Volk's ready to rock and roll, Makachev went to Australia. So if Volk wants another crack at it, you go to his neck of the woods. I know it's yeah. not Russia, Dagestan, but you get what I'm saying. You go to you go to the Middle East. So if Charles is not available, I think Dustin and Justin are going to knock seven bells out of each other. Are, are they going to be ready? Who's the contender? Who's the contender that can step in for Islam Makachev? I don't know where that contender is right now. Benil's just fallen short. So... Volk, man. Volk's the guy. Mm. Volk has, I think, the, the head-to-head with Kaporia. Of which kind Volk initiates. Kind of points him towards a certain direction. I don't think he's thinking about heading straight over to uh, Abu Dhabi anytime soon either. The problem is the two leading contenders, Poirier and Gaethje, have both locked in to fight each other in a couple of weeks' time in Salt Lake City. And the chances of those two coming out fresh enough to have a quick turnaround. Yeah. They're like few and far between. Um, that by default and purely based on the fact that Conor ain't coming back anytime soon, does Chandler come in as a quasi-title opportunity? Bear in mind he's coming off the loss of coming off the back of a loss to Poirier as well. Does it you know it just doesn't really make too much sense? No. But who else gets the opportunity at lightweight? You know, but Benil Darius is coming off a loss. Can yeah. he really go straight into a title shot? Even though him and Charles have been, him and Islam have been scheduled to fight on more than one occasion previously. It was Islam that moved forward for the title opportunity. He ended up having to eliminate him and got beat. So it's gonna, it will be interesting to see what happens. It is a question for you, right? That we 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 didn't discuss on the on the BT show, and it's not on the next thing. It's actually to do with the fight with, between uh, Alex and Yair. First two rounds, do, utter dominance. From uh, yeah. Volkanovski, real arguments that there's ten, there's ten eights in there, right? Absolutely superb for the first two rounds. Round number three, he decides, right? I'll fight you at your game now. Now, Yaya is definitely having success. Volk's yeah. having success. It's a great contest for the four minutes or whatever it is that that it lasts for. Does the head clash have an effect? Because it did, he did crack him. Prop, like it's accidental. Oh, He's yeah. not done it on purpose. He's not done it on purpose, right? But his head has cracked Yair big time. And they obviously take a moment where Yair's sorted himself out. And he did, he did look a little bit buzzed. Yeah. Do you think that head clash has, has led to then Volk going, right, foot down, here we go, bang, and, and I'll get this guy out of here? I, I don't necessarily think it led to Volk going, all right, he's, he's dazed now, I'm going to pounce on him. But it, you can't argue against the fact that it must have impacted on Yair in some way, shape, or form. Because yeah. it was a proper crack like that headshot. Yair's chin fucking nearly spins off the side of his face like he proper went right yeah. into him. And again, it was accidental. Completely. Um, and I'm just, I'm glad that Yair continued and I think he made the right decision to continue. Um, but ultimately, yeah, that would be the conversation. If the, if there was no round one and round two, yeah, did, we're talking about a rematch. I believe we're yeah. talking about a rematch. If yeah, round right. three was the only round of the fight, we'd be on this podcast and everyone in the world would be going, yeah, I get it, but right, Yair was flying. Then the head clash, and then Volk took him out, basically, 
It, that was the chain of events. That was the sequence. We've got to give Yair another shot there, man. That come on, that that's not fair. But because of the complete dominance of Volkanovski for the first two rounds, just completely yeah. wrestling into bits, you're like, okay, Yair's 10-9 down after two rounds, two rounds, it's 2018 down already. He's having maybe a bit more. of success, but that first one could have been maybe, a 10 8, couldn't it? Maybe. Maybe. And I just think that was Volk going right. Come on, son. You're fighting the best in the world here. Get on the ground. Let's go. Ragdolling you everywhere. Ten minutes of that. Okay, I've got this fight pretty much where I want it now. Lockdown. You're tired. You're not as sharp as you were in the first two rounds. You're gassing a little bit. You're having to go into your reserves. Okay, let's have a striking match now then. And it's like, yeah, he is having success, success. Yeah, his confidence starts growing. And that was when... Because the, the constant change in a footwear from Southport to Orthodox, that Volk does, constant. Super. As he's walking you down, he's constantly left foot, right foot. It stops you as a striker from setting. As you're setting, you're waiting to... And then suddenly he's gone, oh, wait a minute, fucking hell, he's gone back to Southport. Oh, shit, fucking hell, he's gone back to Orthodox. And it, and it just kept off setting. Yeah, he had to make them second guess himself. By the third round, yeah, he was like, I've just got to go. The corner must have been like, you've just got to go, yeah. man. Just go. And he was and having he did. some success. And he had success. But, yeah, yeah, he was, absolutely. You know, there's an argument that for the first three minutes of that round, you're going, okay, yeah, he is winning around here. This is what he wants. This is what he needs. Yeah, I agree. The head clash wasn't necessarily the trigger point. The trigger point no. was was the split step change to change to southpaw and then, and then the right counter. hook lead round the guard <sighs> that caught and flush on the chin. Beautiful. That's when Volk went. But I haven't timed the distance, the timing from the from the head clash to the right hook. Yeah. What was the time period in between? It's about a minute. And how 30. did Yair look in that time period? I yeah, don't he looked all right. He looked all right because he, he he was landing kicks again and he was landing a few shots again. But then, yeah. like you just said, that switch stance, and he he just in the switch stance, he slips and counters over the top with that right hand. And next thing yeah. you know, you, you, Yair looks at him and you, he smiles at him, and then Volk just goes. Herb's yeah. waiting for a goddamn bus, man. He's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's teeing off. He's absolutely smashing living daylights out of him. There's nothing coming back for a good few seconds. And then obviously Herb comes in and, and stops the fight. Right, rightfully so. Obviously it, listen, I just wanted to bring it up because yeah. I haven't heard that as a talking point. I haven't heard anybody else mention it. But I remember in the moment thinking, fucking hell, that was a bad head, but that. Did, was, like yeah. I say, completely accidental because he's throwing a left in here and he's coming in. Again, because of his switch stance, he switched and, and Yaya's in the wrong position to, to get out of the way of it, if that makes sense. So he's come over the top and his head just cracked him on the chin. And you can yeah. see his head rock. You can see it rock. Oh, it's a anyway. proper, it's a proper like rocky head movement, isn't it? Yeah. You know, to see from a rocky film, it's a proper like whoosh, chin yeah. right round the other way. It was a bad head clash. But as I say, I think when you when you look at the first 10 minutes yeah, and then I agree. the duration, I, I, you know, it, it's hard to say, well, yeah, he's got to have immediate rematch after that. You oh, know? no. It, it, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, no. did it lead to the finish? Yeah, maybe, 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 maybe not. Listen, Volkanovski is the best on the planet, and as far as I'm concerned, he chooses what he does next. If he wants to do 145 and Tapura, sound. If he yep. wants to do 155 and Makachev with Charles Oliveira not being available, sound, man. Get him out as as quick as you can because I want to see that. Dude. I know people are going to flag up saying he said that he's 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 injured and he's having an operation. Listen, we've spoken to him backstage, man. It's a minor operation, and he can turn it round for October. So the operation's yep. not going to keep him out. He is. Nope. He's a special I athlete. I think I think with Charles, I think with Charles pulling out, I think he'll get it. He's been to Abu Dhabi before. He didn't get to fight in Abu Dhabi, of course. He was the backup. But there's no fear in the eyes of uh, Alexander Volkanovsky about competing against any man, least of all a man that he pushed to the wire last time. So, uh, 
yeah, I, I, I think at the moment it seems the most likely matchup. I'm all for it, man. Yeah, uh, the official fight of the night was Moreno versus Pantoja. There's there's plenty of offers here. We could have given it could to Jalen Turner and Dan Hooker. We could have given it to a shitload of them, right? Because it, it's yeah. just ridiculous. I'm sure that they did get locker room bonuses. All of these people that we're going to be talking about on the show, uh, but Moreno Pantoja was the was the official. Um, and I was just in awe of these dudes, man. I was just in awe of of what they were doing. We said, didn't we, in the preview? Imagine two wasps on a hot summer's day flying around your pint, annoying the fuck out you, not going away. Bloody hellfire. That's exactly what these two did. They just knocked shit out of each other. Knocked shit out of each other for 25 minutes. It was magnificent. You know, I just thought the the sharpness of Moreno's hands just come on so much, man. So much. The power there was with Pantoya. He was fighting like a man who'd beaten him on multiple occasions before. You could sense that about Pantoya. Probably got a little bit sloppy with his defence, I've got to say. I think, he, you know, by the end of the fight, certainly Pantoya was the more beaten up fighter, but that was cumulative punches and strikes rather than power strikes. The power strikes came from the challenger, now champion. So the, the groundwork was just fucking relentless. It, it was like watching a fight on fast forward. You know, that's what that's what the, the very best, the creme de la creme of this flyweight division, it, it feels like you're watching any other way class on fast forward. Just the speed yeah. of movement, the technical ability of both men on the ground, um, the takedown defense, what was very intelligent stuff from Pantoya. I think Moreno was kind of like, well, you ain't, you ain't doing nothing, so I'll just stand here. But Pantoya just dominating the uh, dominating where the fight's taking place. Um, I think his grappling was a lot more successful than maybe people were talking. Because if this one splits everybody, I'll be honest, you know, especially, even our crew, you know, we have a little WhatsApp group with, with all the BT Sport crew and a couple of the guys there who've been around MMA for an awful long time. And we were divided, man. We were divided on the score. You know, one of the one of our crew, uh, Gary, even agreed with, with one of the judges' scorecards, which gave it four rounds to one in favour of Moreno, which, as you can imagine, was a massive talking point, not just with us, but with everybody in the arena. And I think yeah. that's what triggered the Mexican boot fans to boo. Of course they're going to boo because they're Mexican champions just lost his belt. But I think the initial score of uh, 46, 49 in favour of Brandon Moreno, that's four rounds to one in favour of the defending champion, yeah. gave the Mexican fans hope. But it was only hope. Because the atmosphere in there, even when, even at the final bell, there was no like, oh, our guy's done it. There was nervous energy in the room, like, oh, God, I think we've just lost that. And that's who I agreed with. I, I actually agreed with the other two judges. I scored it 48-47, three rounds to two in favour of Pantoya. And new. Yeah, man. It's interesting, isn't it? Because the, the judge that gave it 4-1 in favour of Moreno the guy, is the guy that teaches us, Ben. Yeah. Ben Cartledge, top, top judge. Um, one of the best there's no doubt about that and he's a man that we speak to on a regular basis he's a person that we have regular discourse with um, about judging scoring criteria and all those types of things uh, and at the time I like I, I think I tweeted um, immediately after the fight there's absolutely no way that Brandon Moreno won four rounds so what I did, as soon as I got off the plane today, I thought, right, I'm going to go and watch this fight again in particular because of the scorecard conversation. Because I know it has divided a lot of people. There's a lot of people out there that yeah. believe that Moreno won. A lot of people, obviously, like us. And I'm with you. I've got Pantoja winning this fight initially 
because I was there in the arena and I thought, did it look different on television? Anyway, so I've gone through it, right? And I think rounds one and rounds number two are very, very simple. Round number one, I went um, Alexandre Pantoja. Round number two is an absolute masterclass from Brandon Moreno. An absolute... His boxing in that round is absolutely yeah. outstanding. So I've got 10-9, round one, Pantoja, 10-9, round two, Brandon Moreno. And Let I me think just... the majority would would agree with that. Yeah, so so my notes from the fight, which I was typing live inside the arena, which obviously I never spoke about on BT, but obviously I can, I can sit in front of them now. I've got round one, bright star from Moreno, Chris won yeah. two punches, but power clearly with Pantoja, drops him with a left up. Uh, drops into ground and pound, busts, busts, busts open cut over the right eye. Pantoya looks stronger, even though Moreno is sharper. Pantoya round. Then round number two, much crisper boxing now, piecing up Pantoya, manages to take the back and pull him down. Crisper boxing wins the round, Brandon Moreno. So, yeah, that's yeah. exactly how I scored those first two, oh, oh, first two no, rounds. No. Now, we spoke on many occasions about the 3Ds, damage, dominance, duration, all that type of stuff. You're looking for a clean, effective work, aren't you? Whether it be effective striking or effective grappling. And this is where the the conversation really starts to hot up in rounds number three, four and five. Because having watched them back today, they are all incredibly close. Incredibly close. To the extent what I would say is that watching them back today, they feel closer than what they felt like when I was in the arena on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. So round number three, and this is a real, this is a really hard round to um, to judge because you've got to weigh up. Does you're looking for damage? So does this outweigh this? Right? Is what is what you're looking for? What you're looking for here? Now strike stats for whatever they're worth, will tell you that Brandon Moreno has outlanded Alexander uh, Pantoja uh, in this particular round. But there's a, a lot, in my opinion, of effective grappling. Now, Mr. Cartilage, who was the referee that has scored this 4-1 in favour of Brandon Moreno, has a far more extensive knowledge base of jiu-jitsu. Far more than mine. Mine is very basic when it comes to acknowledging what is effective, what is not effective when it comes to jiu-jitsu. I judge round three and the grappling that Pantoja puts into this round as effective work. I really do because Brandon Reynolds wriggling around there like a little slippery fish, isn't he? You don't reward that. You don't reward that defending, but he's brilliant in the defensive uh, grappling side of this game. But I'm rewarding body locks, fishing for rear naked chokes, all those types of things, as well as when this fight does play out on the feet, Pantoja matches mm-hmm. Brandon Moreno near enough, power. Yeah. toe for toe. Yeah, exactly, and with power. But, but, in this round, optically, the damage, when you look at it, just from an optical point of view, is comes from Brandon Moreno landing an incredible elbow on yeah, I remember Alexander Pantoja, and yeah. it splits his face wide open. So there's Clara mm-hmm. everywhere now. So from an optical point of view, you look at that and you go, right, that's a fucking lot of damage there, mate, that he's that he's just instilled. And then from the elbows, well, I say elbows, there are two. One, two, second one splits him. Then there's obviously the grappling exchanges. I I have in round number three, and this is this is, I think, is the closest out of the, the remaining three rounds to judge. I have it 
going into the final minute of the round, I've got it neck and neck because I think Pantoja's done enough to be able to balance out what had come before from uh, Brandon Moreno. So, mm-hmm. and in and if you look at that final minute of round number three, Moreno manages obviously through brilliant defence. He flips himself back from having his back taken. He gets himself into uh, mount, but he's kind of in this like half weird guard situation where Pantoja then tees off on him with elbows on his head. He just yep. tees off on him. Several of them, five, six. Now, he doesn't split him, right? He doesn't split him open. But how do we know that his skin's not tougher than Pantoja's skin? How do we know yeah. that, you know, I mean, we have this argument about Nate Diaz and Nick Diaz all the time, don't you? You breathe on them and they start breathing. So, yes, okay, Moreno optically clips him with that elbow and Cause he does split him. And it causes a cut, definitely. But I'm I'm watching Pantoja led on his back in the last minute of the round, landing those big elbows on uh, Brandon Moreno's head. And for me, that then sways the round with damage in Pantoja's favour. I can mm. fully understand why Gary, for example, whoever, mm. who, uh, who also has a better understanding of jiu-jitsu than me, and Ben, again, Maybe they look at that jujitsu and they go, it's not effective enough, that. It's not effective enough. And that has not had them going into the last minute of the round with a balanced situation. And then they've obviously... Um, See the elbows from Tantori and it's like, that's not enough to outweigh what Moreno's done early in the round. Exactly. Maybe they've. Yeah. Maybe that's what they've done. Me, yeah. I put value on that grappling though. So therefore, that for me, round number three is a Pantoja round. Yeah, I scored at a Pantoja round on the night as well. I thought the uh, my notes here just say that much while Moreno's doing the much cleaner work, uh, Pantoja's dominating the dance. And I also thought insane rounds, both sliced and diced one another up. Um, that was a tough round. Listen, I thought the, the fourth round was tough to score as well. Fourth uh, is very to, difficult, mate. Yeah, I give it to Brandon Moreno, but I've put a little... Hashtag next to it. I said, but my notes from round number four. Uh, again, news were made live on the night. Both exhausted. Pantoya takes back holds position. Lots of t- lots of control time for Alexander, but not too much action. Moreno surgical on the feet, but Pantoya dominating the position. So yeah, you know, again, I was I was the, like, the, there's a there's the an dominance triangle. was definitely in favour of Pantoya, and there was a there was a submission attempt from there yeah, as well. That arm in triangle as well for me was again I put that down to effective some good effective grappling in there you know yeah. yeah it's easy to judge right he's hitting him in the face and there's power there and there's the damage but also that effective it's not like it was just purely laying prayer don't get me wrong the stalling in four and five from Pantosia yeah. right so when you're just looking at the second two of the two D's dominance and duration mm-hmm. yeah he's, he's taking them but that's not what we take into consideration first who did the damage who's done the damage and I again put emphasis on that effective grappling of Pantosia. And I think four is, I think four is the toughest that you can genuinely make an offer, uh, an effort at judging that in favor of Moreno. I give it to Moreno. I give four to Moreno. Yeah. That was the, that was the the, the second second round round. to Moreno. Yeah. I give him round four. Yeah. I just thought that um, the work he'd done on the feet, especially was, was definitely the big, the biggest amount of work. And while, I think in four and five, you're right. There was moments where Pantoya was just holding, yeah, a position, not doing anything, yeah. But that was twofold though, because that got the Mexican fans to start getting, start booing, saying, "Fuck, come on, fight, come on." 
And that on um, I think it happened on two or three occasions, and on every occasion it was Moreno that tried to do something to keep the crowd entertained and ended up in a worse position than he was in, yeah. in when he was either clinched against the fence or was getting had his back taken on the ground. Yeah. It forced them to do something. Like in that moment, Moreno was waiting for the referee to intervene, the referee to reset them. When the referee didn't, it was Moreno. I went, oh, fucking hell, the crowd. I don't want the crowd to boo me. I better do something. And that was what Pantoja was waiting for. So I thought that was, in t- I know no one wants to see Stalin, of course, but I, I thought that he was, was intelli- intelligent yeah. from yeah, an incredibly yeah. exhausted Pantoja. And Moreno was exhausted, but you're exhausted, you're beat up, you're bloody, you take a guy's back. Why? Lose sap what's left of your left of your energy. Just be patient. That's jujitsu one one. Patience. Yeah. Let the guy move to a, let you ad, advance to move to an even more advantageous position. I think we see that on a couple of occasions in four and five. That was intelligent stuff from Pantoja. Yeah, in five the neck and neck. In fact, Pantoja is better on the feet. He cracks him a couple of times in yeah. round number five, and although the crowd react to a couple of shots that Moreno throws. Pantoja's defense is brilliant. He catches everything. He's yeah. he, that that because he got used to right. He's do, he's going left to the body, left upstairs, and every time he threw it in round number five, it was there caught on the elbow and straight up caught every single time. The crowd went wild, but he was catching them definitely. Yeah. Um, and then he uh, he took the back. He had a, it wasn't a, a rear naked choke. It was a, more of a face crank attempt uh, to fit to finish off that round. Yeah. I don't remember um, he was raining in punches from behind in Saturday when he had that position for as me, well. For me, absolutely, Pantoja wins round number five. Absolutely. I can't Hands see an down. argument really for, for Moreno to win that round. And that's kind of where I want to refer back to my tweet. I couldn't see Moreno winning four. Can I see Moreno winning three? Yeah. Because round number three, it, it depends on where, where, you, where you're balancing your damage. If you've, if you've gone optically, that big elbow splitting his face wide open is this big. And everything else from Pantoja's here, yeah. then you know what I mean. You probably do sway it in his favour, but I didn't. So I, I like like what you've just said. I've got this three-two uh, in Alexander uh, Pantoja's favour, and he's he, he's a well worthy winner and beco- becoming the champion because it was an h- unbelievable performance from both guys. Yeah, not to get too wrapped up in the scoring because we just no, no, not at all. It was a sensational. <laughs> we fight. just done for twenty minutes. Yeah, but it was, but a, it was fucking... a sensational fight. Brilliant fight. Absolutely brilliant fight. One of the best flyweight fights of all time. These guys are just so well matched. You know, there, there isn't the gulf in these weight in the in the flyweight division like there is elsewhere. You know, we've seen that with Figueredo and Moreno's backwards and forwards on mm. four occasions. Now we've seen Pantoja Moreno twice plus once in the tough house as well. There's probably not unf- there's probably unfinished business here. They probably will throw down again. I don't think it should be next. I think this division needs to, you know, take a bit of a breath and realize. Well, Brandon Royval's probably next, isn't he? Because he weighed in. Yeah, so he's going to probably. Royval weighed in as the backup, so you'd think Royval's going to fight fight Pantoja, hopefully before the end of the year. But Moreno, you know, all Moreno's going to do is got to go through a, a Kaikara France or a, you know one of one of the other leading flyweight contenders. Yeah, he has done that. Yeah, one of the other leading flyweight contenders. Perez and, or Nicolau, something like yeah, that. He, yeah, he's right back there again. You know, he's right. He's he's not going anywhere, Moreno. And as I say, I, I think Moreno Panto will probably have to do it again next year. Yeah. But, you know, listen, I mean, Albazi might get a chance against Moreno. He's Good right shout. there too. Good shout. Yeah, he's off the back of a win. Contentious one, yeah. but he's still got a win though, hasn't he? Absolutely. Um, I wish Brilliant. that this time last week when I went, not this, was it the time last week? Yeah, it was. It was just, it was this, 
it was the review show last week when I said I'm going to make a mad prediction on the preview. I'm going to you tell did. you. I'm going to tell it. you that Dricus Duplessis is going to do the business. And then I spent a week in everybody's company and it's Robert Whittaker, man. He's just a fucking cool dude. He's just so calm, cool, collected. And I'm thinking, what am I thinking about? What am I thinking? Yeah. Of course, Robert Whittaker's going to win this fight. Fucking hell. I wish I'd have had some bollocks on me because how much money would you have made if you'd have backed Dricus Duplessis to do that to Robert Whittaker? What a performance. Took round one, smashed him in round two and walks away with the victory and a title shot next. Got to the end of round one, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Well, we, we were chatting, obviously, and I went, "My God, Drickus looks. Who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> Who is that guy? Make it make sense. That ain't the guy that fought Darren Till. That ain't the guy that fought uh, Brunson. What's his name? Derek Brunson. Mm. That ain't that ain't that guy. That guy was just like a ball of furious energy until he had nothing in the gas tank." And then he gets his second wind a couple of minutes late. He'd survive. <laughs> and then suddenly he'd get a second wind and he'd turn into a ball of furious energy again. He wasn't calculated. He wasn't patient. He wasn't any of the things that Drickus was against Robert Whittaker. But fucking full credit to the man. Because he said, listen, as I go up the levels, you'll see the best of Drickus Duplessis. And I just thought that meant, you know, the bigger the opposition, the more fear, the more furious I'll fight, the fitter I'll be. But in fact, what he meant was, I fought Brunson that way to yeah. blow Brunson away. Because I know if you put heavy pressure on him, he'll fold, he's too old. I yeah. knew that if you put heavy pressure on Till, if you just fucking go at a furious pace, Till with his bad knees can't live with anyone doing that. And it worked. And then he's gone with Robert Whitcomb. We've gone, oh, that's what he does. That's what that's how Drickers fights. He flies out. He sets a pace. Mate, Whitaker's going to song and dance him. And he didn't do any of that. Drickers Duplessis come out and went, Sam, man, I'm a counter-punching motherfucker. Let's go. <laughs> and just stayed on the back foot. And you're like, Drickers, come on, man. Do Drickers. And what we I didn't am. know is there's many different versions of Drickers Duplessis. Man. And the, the version that fought Robert Whittaker was not only the greatest version of Drickers that we've seen, the most accomplished, and it had to be, but it just showed us all, oh, my God, this guy is way more, way more a fighter than we thought he was. Mate. This guy's intelligent. He's got IQ. And he's got an understanding of the man in front of him and the correct game plan to do it. And clearly, he's got the not only the ability, but the patience that it takes to go, no, man, listen. Because the finish, even when he caught him, even when he caught Rob with that hook and Rob went at the uppercut and Rob went down like on one knee, the old Drickus just goes red and runs in. But he didn't. He took a little step back and he just went boom, boom, boom. Oh, it was the body shot, wasn't it? Body shots. Yeah. Fucking nearly, yeah. nearly folded him in half of the body shots. Rob goes down on one knee and he was still like, deep breath, step back, Mr. Drickus. Okay, let's finish him. Boom, boom. Absolutely, honestly, blew my mind. For me, that was the that was the on a night full of performances of the night. Yeah, I think this one was probably in my mind the biggest performance I've seen on, on the night because I just didn't see it coming, with all due respect. And I apologize now, but I just didn't see Drickus Duplessis performing at that level against that level of opposition. A pound for pound top tenner. On everyone's yeah. cards prior to Saturday. Yeah, man. 
that judo throw when he he had Rob in the headlock and just flicked him up. over his shoulder and like dumped him on his backside and then went to town on him on the elbows. You think to yourself, wow. You never see anybody do that to Rob Whitaker. No. Nope. And he just ragdolled him at the end of that round. And I thought yeah. we were going to finish him at the end of the round. Obviously, Buzzer came in and luckily Rob's covered in claret and he's all over the gaff, isn't he? It was just it was just an unbelievable performance. And obviously that then sets up the Israel Adesanya fight, of which people are going to get excited about now because they're going to think to themselves, if Drickus can get his hands on Izzy, then all of a sudden we've got a fight on our hands, kids. I don't think anybody's going to back Drickus to counterpunch Izzy because Izzy is the elite striker that he is. We know what Israel yes. Adesanya does. But if but he the, can what, get his hands on him and manhandle him, then... Ooh, what kind wow. of game plan is, is Drickus going to have for Izzy? Because so far, every game plan he's had has been completely and utterly effective since he's gone into the top 10. He's there on merit. He's just performing at a better level every time. I think now you've just got to stop. Like I've seen a lot of conversations, you know, when we were traveling back, I was looking on Twitter and stuff, and you know, there was a lot of conversations about, oh, that, that wasn't Robert Whitaker. There must be something wrong. There yeah, must have been something wrong with him. Was he no. sick? Was he injured? Must be something wrong. Listen, I'm not privy to that information, but I didn't get any, I didn't come away from that None. with that sense whatsoever. I come away from it going, was Rob surprised by Drickus' approach? Absolutely. I think Rob was thinking, mate, I'll just fucking, just like Marvin Vittori, you ball forward, son, and I'll just piece you up. That's what he did to Marvin Vittori. And I thought... Rob looked good early. He, he looked did. good. But I just thought, in that moment, because he was nice and sharp, but he, he had to start, it was Rob having to engage. He had to go yeah. forward. And he is a natural counter-striker. We saw that, especially against Till, where we had two counter-strikers. We kind of balanced each other out, and it became a bit of a chess match. What he wants is someone that's going to ball at him. Drickus, we thought, was that guy. And I think Rob genuinely thought, yeah, pretty much the same game plan as Paris. Good night's work, this. And then when Drickus started to land and really hit Rob, like when he started landing the odd shot, even a jab, he dropped him initially with a jab. Thought, fuck it. Rob was like, Jesus Christ. So that makes you think, how hard does Drickers hit? You know what I mean? If, if Rob Whitaker's having that kind of a reaction from a jab, yeah. how hard did this guy actually hit? <clears throat> and at no point because of the way he approached the fight, maybe something to do with the nose surgeries had as well, but at no point was Drickers blowing. Drickers was complete control of his gas tank, of his output, of everything. And I don't want to go... Ah, uh, bad night for Rob, wasn't it? No, nah, man, that's that's not fair. You're cutting Drickers short there. He was magnificent in in New, in Las Vegas. Drickers was magnificent, and he's earned himself a title shot that he thoroughly, one hundred percent, no more criticism. He deserves that shot, and I want to see it. Yeah. Just on the face off, got to bring it up. Oh, uh, obviously, yeah, absolutely. obviously. Obviously, in the aftermath, Israel Adesanya gets in the octagon. They go nose to nose. Could have been um, a magnificent moment. Cut to yeah. promo, boys. This is the one. Yeah. You blew it. Um, listen, we both love Israel Adesanya. Can't get enough of him. Yeah, I think he's a, a phenomenal, phenomenal champion, phenomenal, phenomenal fighter. But I come away from UFC 290 in that particular moment disappointed in him. I really do. Sport's supposed to bring people together. Yeah. Doesn't matter what your colour is. Doesn't matter what your sex is. Doesn't matter what your sexuality is it brings people together we live in a shitty world where there's a lot of racism homophobia and all these different types of things going on which are set out there to divide people and people are lapping it up from a political point of view they're lapping it up but sport's not that for me 
Sports a place where you're supposed to come and everybody's in there as one and we're supposed to be here just to purely celebrate the best athletes in the world. What happened on Saturday night in particular, and it's been building up for a bit because the media have played their part as well in building this up to this particular point. What they've done is that they have highlighted a, a fight, which let's be honest, MMA, is always under scrutiny from the mainstream media. It's always under scrutiny. We're always being asked to come and defend X, Y, and Z. What about this? What about that? Now we're going to be asked to defend a fight that is the optics of a race divide. Blacks on whites. That's what it looks like from the outside outsiders. Now, I can only give you my opinion on the use of that N-word, and I hate it because it is a divider. It's a derogatory term that is used historically towards black people. And me as a white person looking at that, it makes me feel uncomfortable. It makes me feel sick. I don't like the word. I don't like to hear it. Now, obviously, that word might mean different things and have different connotations to different people. You watching this, you might have a different appreciation of it. Israel Adesanya might have a different appreciation of that word and a different interpretation of that word. I thought it was a wrong move. Wrong move for the sport to do it there and then. It felt like he was trying to bait Drikas Duplessis into a situation of which Drikas Duplessis didn't get dragged into. No. I hope that, because he's an intelligent guy, is he? I hope that with time, Dust settles, he understands the optics of what that looks like and that he can come out as the champion that he is and he goes, listen, man, this ain't nothing to do with race. This is to do with me being the champion, taking on the number one contender. That's it. I know that Drikas, this has been um, cat- the, the, it, the catalyst of this conversation was Drikas Duplessis answering a question of which he said that he wants to be the first African true champion. And he, he even categorized it. He said, listen, I live, eat, breathe in Africa. I'm an African. So therefore I will be, if I become the UFC, UFC champion, I'll become the first champion that is residing in Africa. There's no mm-hmm. taking away from what Izzy has achieved, Kamaru's achieved, from Francis has achieved. But the facts are that they did it in New Zealand gyms. They did it in Miami gyms and they did it in Las Vegas gyms. And that was the point that Drikas Duplessis has ma- been making. And I understand mm-hmm. that that might rile some people up. If you're looking to be riled, I think it's been misinterpreted. And I hope, like I said, I absolutely love Israel Adesanya. I can't get enough of him. I know he's a top guy. And I hope that he looks at that and he goes, right, this is getting out of hand now. Because there's a lot of people that will want to jump on this as a race thing because the world's a shit place. And I hope that he understands that and he jumps on it and he goes, no, it's not about race. I just want to smash this dude's head in because he's number one contender. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. No, listen, I I completely agree with everything you've just said. It was was the only negative on on a sensational night, honestly. A night that every single fight delivered in some way, shape, or form, and that moment really should have delivered. That moment should have been a cutter promo, let's go moment that got us all excited and all going right, man. Get Drickers to Sydney. This is going to be incredible. Yeah. And instead, it become a real just a sour you know, test, sour a negative, sour. Yeah, just, no just a negative moment, you know, on a, on a on a very positive night. So. You know, listen, Izzy's an incredible champion. And 
in a lot of ways, an incredible role model as well. I don't but, walk his mate, shoes. He, I, I've never he, lived his life growing I, I up agree. in New Zealand and everything else. Is he only Izzy can really defend himself in this instance? From my point of view, from a fan's perspective, of course, I was disappointed. But as you say, there's a there's a long time to go yet between now and Sydney, and hopefully mm. the UFC can encourage them to address it. And hopefully encourage them to. I know Dana completely played it down as he usually does in the media, and he was like, "Whatever, man. Fighters call call trash. It's called, it's called trash nah, man. talk. There's a line. Let them do what he wants. I think there's a line. There's a line on a sport that's only that's on an organization that's only thirty years old. And you're right. There would have been headlines this morning on mainstream outlets referencing this moment. Rather than referencing the fact that UFC has just had one of its greatest nights of the year, of of all time, yeah. Uh, gotta feel for Jalen Turner and uh, Dan Hooker, man. Oh, they yeah. didn't get an official bonus. I'm sure they got a locker room bonus, but this for me was even better than the main event, uh, core main event. Another core main event is 25 minutes, but this is 15 minutes of just Madness. phenomenal heart, skill, determination. And that second round is without doubt a round of the year contender. It was yeah. unbelievable. Dan Hooker's chin, man. Just, no. He's got some dog in him, hasn't he? Just incredible. You know, to, to break his arm in the second round as well and to just continue fighting at that pace. And it was like, you know, let's let's bear in mind the fact that, you know, he, he's lost. He, he, he was on a four, he was on a one and four skid. Yeah. Which included a and you know a failed attempt to go down to featherweight. He lost to Poirier. He lost to Michael Chandler. He had the win over Nazrat. Then he went back up to the top and lost to Islam Makachev. Then he got stopped by Arnold Allen down a featherweight. And you're like, oh man, is the veteran Dan Hooker done? And he comes back at the start of the year. He gets a big win up oh, back end of last year. He gets a big win against Puelas in New York City. Back down at lightweight, and you're like, okay, brilliant, fantastic. Let's go, Dan. And then you match him with Jalen Turner, who's a rising star in this fearsome lightweight division. Jalen has a great first round, then cracks Dan with a big left high kick. Yeah. Chin to chin. <laughs> like, chin to chin. You've got no business standing up after taking a shot like that. Perfectly timed head kick right on the jawline. And that it just seemed to like flick a switch in Dan Hooker, where he was just yeah. like, not today. Yeah. Not today. This, you know, I, I, it was like Dan just went, nah, man, I, I haven't come here to lose. I'm just refusing to lose. And it was just like flick a switch, Terminator mode. I'm just going to walk it brought, you down it, now. It brought Jalen's heart, man. That moment when you cracked him on the jaw, Jalen, you could just see on Jalen's face, like, oh, what the fuck's going on here? Yeah. And then Dan went into overdrive, mate. Woof. There, was, there was moments where Jalen was like, you know, weirdly Scream. dropping his hands and like, yeah. Like he dropped his hands against the fence and kind of like shied away like that. And you're like, wait, what are you doing? Defend yourself at all times, kid. Come on, this is a fight. Hooker's just unloaded. And then Jalen was like, ah, screaming at him. And Dan just fucking chinned him again. It was just like, <laughs> what's going on? Don't get me wrong. Jalen absolutely played his part in the second half of round number two and in round number three as well. But by that point, Dan had already just gone to that, that spiritual place. That sometimes these martial artists, these fighters are able to just take themselves to the land of the fucking gladiators. And it's just like, it's me or you, kid. One of us is getting carried out of here and it ain't going to be me. And there was no Dan Hooker 
the boy from New Zealand with the family and this and the upbringing and went to this school nah, and this would get... nah man all that was just stripped away and it was just mano and mano who wants this more I want it more than you and he is just he his it. attitude and his ability to just push through shots and throw more you're throwing shots I'm throwing I'm gonna show I'm gonna throw one more than you I'm gonna hit you twice as hard as you hit me I'm gonna and it was just Honestly, an absolute pleasure to watch 15 minutes of just complete and utter mayhem. And you're right, that second round, which was boosh, the big head kick, and then him just coming back and almost stopping Jalen at the end of round two, that's what great rounds look like. Yeah. Complete seesaw. of a, He's gone. Dan's gone. Dan's gone. Dan's, Dan, Dan's back. Dan's, Dan's back. <laughs> oh, my God. Jalen's gone. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, man. Congratulations to both. Yeah. Magnificent. I'm sure I'm sure they got looked after, even though it wasn't official. I'm sure they got looked after. It's a round of the year contender is round number two. What an absolute beauty that was. Uh that all followed Bo Nichols showing everybody that he's got hands. Okay. It's a brand new opponent in the UFC, a man that came in last minute in Val Woodburn, who we all fell for throughout the course of the week. You can see how excited he was to be there. It was only ever going one way, really, this fight. And I'm glad that the UFC have already come out and said, listen. Lads that step up, if it don't go their way, that's cool. You get another shot. So Val's going to get another shot. I'm sure it'll be a far more even contest. Uh, Bo Nickel, it's going to be interesting to see what path they send him on and, and who he faces next because it's been punch perfect. It's been it's been beautiful so far, hasn't it? But, it's, but there's going to be a point where he's going to have a proper knock. He was like Hamzat. Hamzat came in and he's ragdolling everybody, throwing them all over the place. And then they put him in with Gilbert Burns and you get asked a proper question then, don't you? And he came through it just, but there's going to be a point where Bo Nickel's going to have a proper proper fight. Yeah. I, I just, I think I'm just ready to see the, the problem with Bo Nickel is um, there's nothing, Bo, Bo himself's brilliant, fantastic fighter, oh, incredible talker, yeah. lovely fella to be around, just a wholesome all-American kid. You know, I stick by what I said in the preview, he should come out to Hulk Hogan's music He's that guy. He's a, he's a blue collar, working class, you know, fucking all American. Brilliant. But this is the UFC. And I said this on the BT show, and so I won't harp on about it again. But this is the best of the best. This is what I say to all boxing fans who go, well, I'm not really into UFC. You know, yeah, man, but it's the best of the best, though. Best fight the best in every weight division. You fight the best opponent possible, whether you're a title challenger or whether you're in your second fight in the UFC. It's well matched, you know. We were even chatting to McMahon, weren't we? The UFC matchmaker yeah. in the uh, in the bar as we were leaving Las Vegas. He was sitting next to us. We were having a drink. We were congratulating him on a magnificent card, and you know, we we were blowing smoke up his ass, which you should do after shows like this. Jesus, they take enough criticism when it doesn't work. But the fundamentally why the UFC is so successful is because fourteen fights here, or thirteen of the fourteen fights are really well matched, which is why we had a magnificent card. And generally, that's how UFC fight cards should look. Yeah, okay, Dana White's contender series, you get the odd guy going, who the fuck is he, man? He, he shouldn't be in the UFC. Do you get that odd? That does pop up every now and again. There was another one here as well, Shannon Ross on the prelims. I think that's the second or third time he's lost in the first round. Kid's obviously not good enough for the UFC. We probably won't see him again. But Bo Nickel is, I compared them to Vasyl Lomachenko, on the BT show, and that's that's probably not not hundred percent accurate in that regard. But the point I was trying to make is that Bo's a super prospect. 
This is not CM Punk. We're bringing him in. We're going to put him on pay-per-view main cards because it'll drive numbers. But we all know he can't fight, so we'll try and undermatch him. And in the end, he got found out because he couldn't fight. Bo can fight. Bo's got the type of wrestling. And wrestling is the most fundamental skill required for MMA. You ain't got wrestling. You ain't doing shit in this sport. And he's got the most important fundamental on lockdown. Probably better than anybody maybe that we've ever seen in the sport before. I know we've had Olympians, but that's where Bo is. And he's got hands. What does Bo Nickel learn from fighting Valentin Woodburn? What do we learn about Bo Nickel? And my fear is that, okay, Bo Nickel, you're giving him a green part. You're giving him a, okay, oh, Sam. Oh, this guy, bringing this guy in because, uh, you know, he's this, this, and this. So he's going to go on main cards and, uh, yeah, yeah well, this guy will do. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll blow him away. And if you're not careful, you got four or five of them on a big pay-per-view because they're big prospects who one day might be headliners. And UFC turns into boxing. Where you turn up, you go right main card time. Brilliant, who's on? Oh right, well red corner he smashes him. Red corner he smashes him. He smashes him. Oh, oh the top two. Oh, oh the top two are title fights. They should be okay at least. I want to stay away from it as as, as far away from that as humanly possible. Yeah. For me, Bo Nickel fighting Valentin Woodburn should be nowhere near a main card. Just nowhere near it. Especially when you got the likes of Robbie Robbie Lawler on the on the prelims. Now don't get me wrong. Robbie Lawler was on the prelims, but he was on ABC. And ABC is a terrestrial channel in the US, which means there was millions more people watching the prelim card. But if that's the case, shouldn't Bo Nickel be on there? If you're trying to sell him to a home audience to make him a pay-per-view star, shouldn't he be on ABC? Scoring a magnificent knockout, which was the most odds-on bet of the night because Valentin Woodburn has never been at this level. Now, Valentin might go on. I might have a couple of wins in the UFC. But not necessarily UFC level. I'm talking about Bo Nickel level. If Bo's yeah. going to be a superstar, then Bo's beyond this level. And we're going to get to a point, is, is he got, has he got longevity in the sport? Yes. Okay, we'll build him slow then. If, if, it, if, it, if the answers are no, if he's basically a middleweight Brock Lesnar, I get it. Two or three fights, title fight, because one day someone's going to punch him in the face and we're going to realize that, oh God, he doesn't like being punched in the face and it'll be all over. But Bo Nickel, we're led to believe, ain't that guy. So why is he getting that kind of treatment? This is what I don't understand. This is the UFC. This is the best versus the best. And Bo Nickel versus Valentin Woodburn is not the best versus the best. It's the best prospect against the guy making his debut. Last minute. Last minute. I know. Trishon Gore was supposed to be the guy, wasn't he? He came in last minute. I get, I get what you're saying. I, you just don't want it to be a trend. All right? Let's have a test. Let's see what the crack is. Let's see where, let's see where he's at. Correct. Um... I won't say how much you won, but you won a few quid on Robbie Lawler, didn't you? It's too late. I published the thing. Jane zoomed in. She knew I had $550 in winnings. So when I was on my way home yesterday, I was like, oh, man, do you want me to pick anything up? And she went, no, I'll just have $550. Thanks. So, Telling you. Done you. Don't get what? married. That's all I'll say. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what happens. That's, that's what happens. Your winnings get brought home, put in a little pace, and said, that'll do our holiday fund when we take the kids away to Spain in the summer. That's what happens to winnings. So, um, should the, stay the, in Vegas. Yes, you should have. Uh, the UFC often get criticised for the way that they treat legends and the way they allow people to, and their careers to fizzle out from the organisation. I hope that what they saw and what they obviously did on, on Saturday is sets precedent for going forward because that was a phenomenal thing to witness live. That atmosphere when Robbie Lawler... Robbie Lawler's obviously got to deliver his piece. Yeah. But you can have things ready in the bank, ready to say goodbye to somebody, can't you? And that and that is what happened. 
Lola comes out incredibly emotional. I've never seen him like that, practically in tears as he's stepping into the octagon. Delivers a knockout in 38 seconds. He's quickest ever uh, under the uh, USC banner. Outstanding against Nico Price. And then it all just explodes. And the way that Joe obviously deals with the interview, the way that they have the video, everything about that, it was just a massive, wholesome tick, tick, tick for everybody. He rides off into the sunset. I hope he stays retired. Um, you never know, though, after a victory like that, do you? But they just got it right. And I hope that that goes forward like that. You know, when a legend says, right, this is my last one, let's have the videos ready. Let's pay tribute to him, give him the featured prelim, and let the fucking fans go wild. Real, give them a real fight. Give them an opportunity yeah, fight. a competitive fight. Give them a fight that they can win. Not, not, yeah. not something that you're trying to make the name of somebody else. You know what I mean? I know, but let, them have a, let them have a proper you know, go. That, that's promoting, though, isn't it? You know, if you, if you speak to a promoter, 99 out of 100 promoters are going to go, when your star, when one of your ticket-selling stars is on the way out, then you feed him to a ticket-selling prospect because you want to go, okay, well, pass it on to him now. And, oh, well, oh, he beats him. You know, he's the guy. Now buy tickets for this guy. It's promoting 101. So it, it, it's ballsy of the UFC to do that. But you know what? After 20-odd years, full credit to the UFC for doing that. Just going, nah, yeah. man, we, we ain't going to do Robbie Lawler dirty. That, the stuff this guy's done for this organization, you know, he's never spotted. And I, I know he left briefly for a time and stuff, but he's always been a magnificent representative. Always makes, never, ever failed to make weight in his entire career. Became champion, of course, had that Cinderella story. Made a couple of defenses. Starred in one of the, arguably, the greatest fight we've ever seen inside the octagon as well with Rory MacDonald. Um, yeah, man. And, and this was the perfect fight. And again, you know, I, I, I mentioned over the weekend at some stage, Vandalay Silva's fight against Brian Stan. And Brian Stan fought Vandalay, one of his one of his final fights. And Brian Stan went in there and went gung-ho and ended up getting caught. And everyone was like, what the fuck are you doing? What you do that for? And Brian Stan went, Vandalay Silva? It would be dishonorable to his legacy for me to fight him any other way. And that was a bit what Nico Price was getting to when we seen him at the weigh-ins on Friday. When he was like, it's Robbie Lawler, man. And it's his last fight. I ain't going to shoot for a takedown. I want to try and stand and bang with him. Obviously, Nico's winning winning some and losing some at the moment. And, you know, you could come away going, well, they were terrible tactics from Nico Price to try and stand and bang with Robbie Lawler. But then Nico Price fancied himself. If I land, he'll go. And if he lands, I'll go. So we'll just wait and see what happens. So he kind of played his part as well, but... I think there was a little bit more that work here than just Robbie Lawler and uh, and Nico Price. I think for once the MMA gods got off their <laughs> high horse and pulled a few little fucking strings in regards to, come on, let's let fate sign this one off in style because he deserves it. And it was just choking up, tearing the ice stuff, wasn't it? You know, when the, when the montage was on, you seen Robbie's face, you were yeah, a bit yeah. like, fucking hell, mate. Honestly, there was a lot of big old hairy old men in that arena with a little tear in the eye, I'll tell you that. Robbie Lawler. Have you ever seen that cartoon? Is it Cloudy Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs? There's a yeah. pop in that. And at one stage, he starts to cry. And he goes, hey, eat here. Get back in there. And he sucks the tear back into his eye. <laughs> that was what Robbie Lawler did and has the capacity to do. Oh, nearly got upset. Get that tear back in the eye. <laughs> uh, the fight before it, uh, Chavez, on short notice, Giving mm. Sumo Tyra absolutely shitloads of hell. Yeah. He was brilliant on a short notice. He comes out. All Mexican fans are going wild for him. Taking on this 
this guy that's been sensational uh, in his early tenure in the in the UFC, and yeah. he absolutely put it on it. He went, no, 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 no. I'm not letting you do what you do. Let's have a go, man. Now, don't get me wrong. That second round gets his ass kicked. It's possible. It's a possible 10-8, right? He gets his ass kicked in that second round. But first round, there's an argument that he, he could have won it. And there's an argument that he might even have nicked the third, mate. So he could have been sat here on the draw. Fair enough, he didn't go his way. But what a performance, eh? Uh, listen, Chavez was great, you know, and, and that's what you do. When the UFC give you an opportunity, you throw everything at it. He was supposed to make his debut next month, uh, but there was a problem with Tiara's original opponent. So Tiara's fight got pushed back a few weeks to this, to Saturday night, and Chavez got brought forward to face him here. They both made UFC fucking 290, big pay-per-view in America. Let's throw down. And Chavez met him head on, man. He loved every moment. Come out to the old Mexican music and yeah. the crowd absolutely bouncing. And he flew at Tayara. It really did. And uh, it, it caught the young Japanese star off guard. But I think Tayara, for me, is class. You know, I said in the build-up, this kid is grappling's unreal, mate. A lot of grab- quality. Oh, and I think he realized, wait a minute, uh-oh, this Mexican's better than me with my hands. So yeah. let's let's make this a mixed martial arts contest, Salvi, and start getting it on the ground. And he proves he's got some stones on him. And uh, yeah. yeah, man, he's like 14 and 0 now. And three, four wins in the UFC inside 14 months. That that's proper gear. And that's what they yeah. need. They need a Japanese star. They haven't been to Japan in you know, probably about five or six years, certainly since before the pandemic, 2016, 2017, something like that. They need a star to go back to Japan with, and this could be the kid. He could be the man. Uh, Denise Gomez didn't read the scripts because this was supposed to be uh, Yasmin uh, Jiregui's come out moment. Loads of Mexican fans in attendance. Everybody's buzzing. She's been brilliant. Big, hot prospect. Yes, yes, yes. 20 seconds later, she's flat on her back, getting knocked out. (laughs) Unbelievable from Denise Gomez. You love her because she has a neck tattoo. You went, yes. she's going to be on it. She come out, oh, she has this, she, she's got a, a, a Chow a Borello type thing, hasn't she? He's got one right on his throat there. Yeah. So she walks, as she was walking out, he went, she's hard as fuck here. I went, mate, they're all hard as fuck. They're all, every single one of them's hard as fuck. But little neck tattoo takes you to the next level, doesn't it? And she come out and she just went, do you know something? Very pro-Mexican in here. Let's see if yeah. we can silence everybody. Shut them up. Straight out the gate, pop, 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 pop. Away we go. Flat on your bike. Thank you very much. Ta-da. Get yourself up a nice little bonus. Official one as that, well. Yeah. The nice thing about that, Gomez is Brazilian, but she's based out of Las Vegas. And she was undefeated until she came to the, the UFC. And then she's she, she was 7-0, and whereas uh, Jay Garu was, is, is 10-0. and uh, But she was 7-0 and with five knockouts. And then she gets to the UFC. She makes a UFC debut. She gets beat. Then she moves to Las Vegas because suddenly you get there and you go, whoa, 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 fucking hell. Look at all this. Look at these facilities. Oh, my God, I'm going to train for... Chances are she probably wasn't even training full-time. So she she's now got... She slips to seven and one, but she moves to Las Vegas, right? Okay, I'm going to be here now. Bum, 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 bum. Uh, and then they go, right. Oh, no, sorry. She lost a professional debut. Then she goes on a seven-fight win and run. So she's seven and one. Then she gets an opportunity in Las Vegas, but it's the last minute. So she goes seven and two. So she steps in at late notice because she's living in Vegas now, but she loses a UFC debut, the jitters and everything else. So what made her so dangerous? She's like, well, I'm staying in Las Vegas. I'm going to base myself here now. I'm going to train here now. Give me a proper camp. Give me a proper opponent. Okay, we'll give you this Mexican girl on basically our big Mexican celebration night. She's 10-0 with seven knockouts. And Gomez is just like, bring me any bitch you like. (laughs) 
and she just walked out. Slip, slip, slip. Kaboom. <laughs> Kaboom. And you're just like, hello. What a way to do it, man. Talk about silence in the crowd. Yeah. Magnificent. I said in the run-up, uh, this could have been fight of the night. It ended up being one of the performances of the night. They were all performance tonight. What the hell am I talking about? Yeah. Obviously, I think uh, Yasmin will come again. But Gomez has just let everybody know, man. And listen, that's eight wins, six knockouts. You know, that's a lot of power for the strawweight. A lot of power. Incredible, mate. Um, yeah. The dullest fight of the night had a had, was a second round submission victory. <laughs> <laughs> only, only lasted. Only lasted seven minutes. Not even seven Mate, minutes. How, how mad is that that you sit here and say, what was the worst fight in these 13 fights? Well, th- that one. Yeah, but the, the, a, a predominant, a guy that is predominantly a striker submitted somebody in the second round, mate. How was that dull? Well, it yeah. wasn't dull. I'm just saying that everything else was just ridiculous. That's where, that's where my point is. Yeah. Alonso Menifield uh, ending uh, Jimmy Crute's career because he he put his gloves in the sensory of and then he didn't get any time on the microphone. So we're assuming that that's the direction that Jimmy Crute's going. Uh, but Menifield, who do, who, if you put money on him getting a sub, fucking hell, you'd have come out of Vegas a very rich man. Absolutely. Very rich. Um, on the early prelims, obviously, I don't want to dwell too much. Uh, on the early prelims, you had four fights, three finishes, two in the first round, one fight of the night. Content. Okay. The very first fight uh, between... It was a belter. Oh, mate, it was just... Ribovix and Camilla. Yeah. Uh, Camulia Kirk was fucking mental. They just it, it was outrageous. Battered each outrageous. other. They just battered each other. And, and I, I think Kirk won it. the first round, didn't he? And then Ribovic just turned it on its head in the second. Very yeah. kind of similar a bit to Jalen Turner and Hooker. Whereas yeah. the guy that lost won the first round and then all of a sudden it just went the other way. I think Ribovic and Kirk would uh, can feel quite aggrieved because if that fight's on last week or this week on either Apex card... Fight night cards, it wins fight of the night. They're both $50,000 richer. So you've got to feel for them. But then you've got to feel for Aguilar, who scored a sensational 17-second knockout. Again, okay, against Shannon Ross, who we'll probably never see in the UFC again. Sorry, Mr. Ross, but three first-round knockouts is pretty much you're done. And then Cameron Seaman, who is the uh, the young prospect out of South Africa. Duplessis, pal. Mate, these two run in a pack. The two of them just turn up and take necks. Quality, quality kid. Don't be surprised if he gets added to that Sydney card as well. If Duplessis just yeah, jump in agree. to fight uh, Izzy then, because he's a he's a serious dude. Took him just three minutes to uh, to knock out uh, Terence Mitchell with some slick and powerful body spread and ground and pound. So yeah, man, great undercard, great prelim card, magnificent yeah. main card, UFC two ninety man. <sighs> Sport done right. Fucking yeah. immense. Uh, it was unbelievable. And whilst all that was going on, I just want to highlight one other fight that wasn't at the UFC. It was at the PFL. And I've been telling you about this kid for a bit. I've been hyping him up. I've been telling you. And he got his opportunity in Newcastle earlier on in the year um, when Dan Hardy said, yeah, go on then. We'll give you a go, mate. And then off the back of the great performance that he put in in Newcastle, they signed him and said, right, okay, Come and fight on these European shows. The McGrizzler, Lewis McGrillan, Withenshaw's finest. I'd say you what, he has really made the transition. There's a lot of hype on him. A lot of people are now talking about him properly. And he's gone over to Berlin 
and put in a sensational performance. Advers great matchmaking as well. Good adversity in the first round. They're both knocking shit out of each other. Bit of success for his opponent. But I tell you what, he composed himself, comes out second round, and he lands that left. Mate, you know who he reminds me of with that left hand? That big, straight, long left hand that gets on the chops and puts people over. I won't say it because I don't want to put too much pressure on him, but everybody knows what I'm alluding to. That kid is special. He talks the talk, he walks the walk, he's going to go a long way in the PFL. And it's going to be interesting to see at the end of this season whether he has a go on American soil in one of the proper tournaments, whether they bring his weight division in for uh, for a season next year. It's yeah. Top, top, top talent, really good finish. I, it, mate, he's outstanding. And, uh, you know, it, it's... It's fighters like that. That's what that tournament's format and that extracurricular outside the tournament format events are set up for. Set up to make a name for yourself. Can we build you into a tournament-featured athlete? Yes, we can. Have you got the ability, technical ability and the star power? Yes, he... Excuse me. Yes, he absolutely has. You know, he's he's been Manchester's worst-kept secret for the last year or two, hasn't he? Everyone's talking about the kid. And, uh, yeah, I think it's only a matter of time that if he doesn't jump into the PFL, then... He might get wooed over to the UFC. He's that good, and he is a superstar. You know, he finishes fights dramatically. Talk to talk. So, and he's good. He's they, got, got gab on him as well, man. He's got it. Very good. Very good. And do you know what? While we're on the subject of of prospects, I'll do one of my own because Liam McCracken out of Liverpool scored yet another sensational first round knockout win himself. That was over at the Levels Fight League. I think that was in France or Belgium or somewhere like that, somewhere in Europe. That was always also on Saturday night. If you remember, start of the year, I was talking about Liam McCracken. He fought a Deju out of John Kavanagh's gym, SBG in Dublin. And John Kavanagh's been telling everybody, this kid's the next big superstar out of SB, SBG Dublin. Um, and they fought. And uh, the the Irish kid won a decision, but John yeah, Cavanaugh called me afterwards and was like, mate, that kid from Liverpool, Lane McCracken, he's fucking brilliant. And he was saying the two of them stole the show. Best fight in the night on that Bellator card. Anyway, since then, Liam's now won two on the spin to get himself back on track. Mate, he's an absolute wrecking machine. And, uh, you know, I was watching the highlights of his fight. Well, we were watching the highlights of his fight yeah. on the airport on the way home. And he's just got such fast hands as boxing is brilliant. He's got a bit of everything. So there you go. Two prospects, one out of Manchester, one out of Liverpool. We're talking about them now because next year we'll be talking about them on, on the big shows. That's it. That's it, man. Um, There you go. That's what we think of uh, UFC 290. I've still not come down. I've still not come down from it because it was just an absolute joy to be in that arena. The atmosphere, the Mexican fans absolutely took it to the next level. I'll tell you something, that September 16th show is going to be something else. If that wants something to go by, that yeah. Independence Day weekend for Mexican independence is going to be different, different level. Um, an absolute joy to be there. And hopefully it came through if you watched it on the TV and you enjoyed it. If you haven't watched some of those fights that we've just been mentioning there, maybe you've only watched the main event or whatever. There you go. There's the review. Go back and watch them. Every single one of them has got something for you. They were absolutely outrageously good outrageously good yes we know that there's been some talking points this week i.e heavyweight championship fight book for november we'll give you a reaction videos for that when my brain's working again all right we'll come we'll come back to that later on in the week there'll be more content coming your way uh on the podcast and obviously we'll start to preview uh what's coming up this weekend too and then we're into ufc london aren't we so i've no doubt there'll be a lot of fight disciples out and about at the o2 um in London next week, of which we hopefully will all get together and have a good old time. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in to us. Fightdisciples.com is the website for every single audio feed. However you want it, you can get it. 
please subscribe to us and be part of this family. Um, and also, if you want to watch this podcast, we are trying to grow that YouTube channel. It's going up slowly. Come on, give us a lift. Get us, a, well, I think we're on about 28,000 or something like that. Get us up to 30. Let's see if we can get up to 30 by uh, by the time uh, we get to, to UFC levels. <laughs> Mr. Beast level, we've got a long way to go yet, mate. All right. <laughs> but let's see if we get up to 30,000 by the time we do UFC London next week. All right. Uh, so please subscribe to us on YouTube. Fight Disciples is what you're looking for. Thank you so much uh, for being uh, a part of what we do. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.